Right Report, a podcast from the Master Executive Council of JetBlue Alpha for the Union Pilots of JetBlue. Now from New York, Ride Report. Well, hello once again. Welcome back, fellow JetBlue Alpha pilots and other podcast listeners to Ride Report. I'm your host, J.R. Hall, JetBlue Alpha Central Air Safety and and Focal Gatekeeper. And uh, Siri, does it feel like time has flown by to you? I mean, think back now to early February 2022, and now here it is mid-May, and I'd be willing to say for our guests on this episode as well, it perhaps feels like time is just as accelerated. But before we get into that, one of the key goals of the MEC during Section 6 negotiations were to maintain an educational point on the current state of negotiations, sure. But just as important to that, and perhaps in in a way more so, is to get familiar with just what committees are taking a bulk share of the load and understand the background, how the information is processed, and provide, we hope, a, a good takeaway on who's who, what is getting done, and give you, the JetBlue pilot, the very best resources to get information during Section 6 negotiations and the definitive resource to get answers to the questions that you have. Today, we're going to get to know our negotiations team here on Ride Report, the expertise that they bring to the committee, hear a little bit about their work during the process and just how much they rely on the voice of our pilot group through critical surveys and a whole lot more. So to get started, let's welcome back Captain Reese Van. Reese, how you doing? Good. Good morning, JR. Thanks for having me this morning. Captain Tommy Young. Tommy, welcome back to Ride Report. Hey, JR. Thanks for having me. And lastly, Captain Jeff Harbison. First time on Ride Report. Jeff, hi. How you doing? Hey, JR. Good morning. Good. How are you? Looking forward to to getting a little bit more of a behind-the-curtain peek here and in the CBA Navigator series, kind of given a, a little bit more of, of the background of the three of you. And for those who may have missed it or, or didn't get it, or if there's something more to, to go in and talk about there, I really wanted to you know open the platform up. And we don't really like to talk about ourselves, but unfortunately, I'm going to make all three of you do it here, at least just for a little bit. But as far as background, Reese, we'll start with you. Before JetBlue and and before becoming a captain here and before sitting as a chair of the negotiating committee, where did you start and and what was what kind of forged your path to feel the need to to come in and serve in this role on this committee and and lead us through CBA 2.0? Yeah, so I I started at the uh, started my 121 career back in uh, 04 at uh, Com Air and uh, was over there for about eight years. Uh, from 04 to 2012, and then uh, uh, after that, went over to GoJet for a couple years, uh, got my PIC time up a little bit, and then got on here at uh, JetBlue in 2014. But over at uh, over at Comair, I got involved uh, with ALPA and the uh, Grievance Committee. I uh, was the Grievance Committee chairman at Comair for several years. Then from there, uh, when I went over to GoJet, they didn't have a Grievance Committee, so I started the grievance committee over there. I did that for a little bit. And then uh, once I got over here at JetBlue, uh, again, got involved with the uh, grievance committee, became the uh, grievance committee vice chair. And then in 
uh, February of 2020 when they were standing up the second negotiating committee, put my name in the hat and uh, joined the negotiating committee at that point. Have you seen any, I guess the first question I have is, have you seen any parallels? I, I would imagine there might have to be between grievance and, and the work of, you know, going through individual issues and, and working them out to a resolution. Is that something similar handling now with negotiations? Yeah. So that, that was one of the things that I thought I could contribute uh, to the negotiating committee was, uh, you know, I uh, spent the last several years, uh, you know, working with the language that we have in CBA one and studying language, intent of language, running a million different what if scenarios. And so uh, I hope that uh, that that's one of the ways I can contribute here to uh, to the second NC and, and, and second CBA. Jeff. I'll move to to you and throw yourself the same question as well. A little bit of background, backstory, and and what was kind of your path to get on to the negotiating committee here at JetBlue? Uh, so I, I started in the 121 world, uh, same as Reese, in 2004 with Transstates Airlines. And while I was at Transstates, I got involved with the negotiating committee in about 2007. I sat on the negotiating committee for three to four years during Section 6, mediated negotiations, came to JetBlue in 2010, got involved with the negotiating committee here at JetBlue during CBA 1 negotiations, started off as a negotiating committee member, uh, became the NC chair about a year into the process. Like Reese, I also was grievance vice chair here at JetBlue for about one year. And for the past, I don't know, I would say five years or so, I've been on Alpa National Collective Bargaining Committee, and I'm currently the chairman on the Collective Bargaining Committee. I think uh, my experience is largely what led me to apply and, and be elected by the MEC for CBA 2 NC, but I will say that I'm very passionate about doing union work. I grew up in a family uh, where a lot of my family members were union reps and did a lot of union work. And I was surrounded by that as, as a child and, and growing up. I can't imagine that it's, and I've never served on the committee, but I, I've, I've seen the work that you guys do. And I've, I've been, you know, fortunate enough to, to be in the, in the room with you guys and working, you know, in a, in a totally different vein, but, uh, you know, through our safety LOA, but the entire experience that you have is doing negotiating. It, what drives you to, get involved with that number one and then i mean also during a pretty contentious period of time being at trans states in the early 2000s that's an awful lot to take in and and kind of i don't even know if you're still processing that but but what gave you how did how did you wind up there what what said to you that's what i want to do or i kind of dig this right i mean i i guess what started the uh the process at trans states was for some odd reason, I took an interest in reading other airlines contracts and became very familiar with what other regional and major airline contracts had in them, you know, started noticing a lot of the the deficits in work rules and, and benefits that we had at Transstates. So, you know, when I started pointing these out to my rep, my MEC chairman, they were like, well, that's, that sounds great. Why don't you get involved with the negotiating committee? And, 
and help us correct some of those deficits. I think that's how it started, Jr. In a, in a nutshell, I, I don't I don't like to think that I'm a glutton for punishment, but you kind of are. I might be. <laughs> <laughs> and last, Tommy, same question to you. A lot of experience as well um, as far as JetBlue Alpha, but take us back to the very beginning. What got you involved in, in union work and what kind of steered your path to, to being on the negotiating committee here? Yeah, sure. Very similar path. 2004, I uh, was hired at Chautauqua Airlines. Did some training review board work there. That was kind of my first introduction to union work. They didn't have a formalized you know, training review board process. They had more of a handshake agreement, but we're, we're in the process of you know, trying to protect pilots that were having, uh, you know, training difficulties. And it's all the, the real need for establishing a formal process. So that's what kind of, you know, started the flame in. 2011 was hired at JetBlue. Uh, right now I'm a, a 320 captain up in New York. On around 2012-ish, 2013, joined the uh, PVC Pilot Scheduling Committee. And then once Alpha was brought in, I uh, helped formed the system scheduling committee with Dan Gorda becoming the vice chair while on the system scheduling committee, you know, did a lot of work with the uh, negotiating committee, formalizing and adopting section 25 and sitting at the table. And then in uh, 2016 uh, was brought on full-time onto the negotiating committee for CBA one and sold that through its full process. What's more work, Tommy scheduling and negotiations. I kind of have to imagine that, that they're about the fair shake on both, right? Yeah, they're a fair shake. You know, uh, the negotiations, you spend a lot of time, you know, internally working through and sorting out issues and, and you know, the path you're trying to drive towards, you know, assistance of, you know, your SMEs or, or your experts, where the scheduling committee aspect, it's more volume of work with, you know, guys that had an issues with their bid award or with, you know, open time transactions or like back in the PVC days, we, we created some new work rules. Um, that were never seen in the industry or by PBS, you know, like the no same day pairings, trying to protect guys from having huge circadian rhythm flips if they didn't want them. Um, yeah, obviously yeah. prior to one seventeen. So yeah, different kinds of work, but the bulk of the work is pretty equivalent. Hats off to the scheduling committee guys; they're still doing it. Well, let's segue into now some of the I, I hate to call it the top five list, but just some stuff that you guys have seen in your time sitting in the positions you have, doing the work that you do, and kind of taking in a little bit of what we, as far as line pilots, might uh, might say, might experience, might do, might question. And I think the very, very first one is the professional negotiator question. And and I'm hoping that once once we get this one taken care of and, and answered, that, that we can also give some of the accolades to the staff that comes in and supports you guys in making not only thorough reviews of, of whatever the topic is, um, but, but making a, a good, you know, solid decision. So first question, why don't we use professional negotiators and whoever wants to take it, go? I will say, I think there's a misconception uh, by some of our, our line pilots that because the negotiating committee is comprised of three pilots that we don't use staff support or professional negotiators to use that term. But all of our committees are solely staffed with 
pilots, right? So the, yeah. the negotiating committee at JetBlue is no different. It's staffed by pilots. However, our negotiating team is much more built out than the three pilots who are elected and comprise the negotiating committee at JetBlue. We are supported by uh, two attorneys, one of whom is our full-time labor relations counsel. We are supported during Section 6 negotiations by another attorney from ALPA whose primary role at ALPA is to support properties during Section 6 negotiations. And we can call him our professional negotiator, for lack of a better term. We are supported by a paralegal, as well as other staff members with expertise in anything from economic and financial analysis to retirement and insurance benefits. The R&I folks from ALPA who support us are sometimes also attorneys. Uh, we rely heavily on an ALPA uh, staff member who is an ERISA attorney. And of course, we rely heavily on all of our other subject matter experts who staff the various committees at JetBlue, uh, volunteer their time, whether it be on the scheduling committee, the R&I committee, the hotel committee. I don't want to leave anybody out, JR. We, we coordinate with a lot of other people. And some of these people as subject matter experts will also participate in negotiations. To go back to your point and to, and to highlight that, again, you know, looking at the national support structure from benefits to uh, economic and financial analysis, they are essentially doing exactly what you did early on. They, they see the lay of the land. They know the other, uh, they know the contractual language of, of every other carrier's collective bargaining agreement, analyzed it, and you're able to glean information from all of that. That's the big portion of the support. Yeah, ALPA staff definitely helps us uh, be aware of how contract language at other properties works. But also, you know, let's take economic and financial analysis, for example. Another one of their primary functions is to help us cost out what our proposals are worth. When we do that, you know, we present that to management and inevitably management is going to come up with a different number. So the ENFA department supporting us at the table during Section 6 has the ability to sit down with their counterpart at management and work through the costing model and determine, you know, what something is really worth. That's a big benefit to have them there. But the benefits people uh, from the RNI department at Alpa National, aside from being familiar with what other properties have in their contracts and how, how it works, they're also subject matter experts on the law, whether it's the Affordable Care Act or ERISA laws, USERA laws. Uh, these people are crucial to working through the various issues that you can imagine are associated with negotiating benefits. Also, JR, I, it behooves me as the Collective Bargaining Committee chairman to just mention that one of the things that the, the CBC does, which is staffed with 12 pilots from 11 different airlines at the moment, I believe. Wow. And is supported by... Uh, two attorneys from Alpa National is provide training to pilot negotiators 
as well as trying to coordinate across all of the ALPA properties uh, what is going on during each individual's property section six negotiations. So, you know, hearing, for example, what Delta or FedEx is trying to achieve in the next contract and why they're trying to do it also contributes to our Section 6 negotiations and, and thinking through how we want to solve some of our similar issues. JR, I wanted to add a point on to something Jeff said about, you know, at the table. You know, a lot of the, the staff and the, you know, the ERISA attorneys and the economic, economic and financial analysts, you know, they're not, they're not in a back room or on a Zoom call or we're calling and checking in with them. If, if we're bargaining, you know, a particular section, you know, benefits or, you know, something compensation related or scope or, you know, what have you, we bring that, that deep bench to the table with us. You know, if they're going to bring an ERISA attorney, we're going to bring an ERISA attorney. They're going to bring a scope expert so they can hear firsthand, ask some of the more technical you know, maybe law-related questions that we just don't have the background on. All right. I think the next question uh, would be surrounding rumors. We'd hear, you know, Airline X has got this. Oh, my God. And there's, there's literally no published information. There's nothing public. But when it comes to rumors, CBA negotiations, everything else, how, how do you guys take that in? Yeah, you know, uh, rumor control is, uh, is one of the things that we – um, struggle with here with the negotiating committee. Uh, it can be, uh, I think, a couple different problems. A is, uh, you know, you hear your buddy talking about uh, maybe something they have over at uh, Delta, and, and you know, it may not be a hundred percent accurate. We publish a uh, contract comparison guide, uh, you know, to help uh, control some of the uh, rumor, uh, you know, rumors floating around out there, if you will. You know, we, we hope that people look at that when they're when they're answering surveys and whatnot and thinking about what they want in in their next CBA. So, uh, uh, you know, they can have the uh, facts out there of uh, what other airlines have. Several rumors float around when other uh, properties, uh, you know, get AIPs or CBAs uh, signed here in the Section Six process. And you know, until uh, until. Alpha publishes something. That's that's exactly what it is. It's just rumors until we get the facts from agreements. I just wouldn't base any decisions on on anything that you uh, you know hear that is not factual. And that's all that we've asked. Uh, the road shows that we do and stuff. Just make sure you're getting your information from from resources that 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 have the facts out there. You know, aside from putting out surveys, building a contract comparison guide, and obviously sitting at the table and, and negotiating with management. You know, we attend a lot of different events. We, we try to attend LEC meetings. We go to all of the MEC meetings, pub events, family awareness events, et cetera, to interact with our, with our line pilots here at JetBlue. But in addition to that, Alpa National hosts a number of events uh, on an ongoing basis every year. Everything from a retirement and insurance seminar, negotiating training seminar, collective bargaining roundtable. And when we attend these events, we have the opportunity to interact with other committee members at other ALPA properties, sometimes properties uh, that are not ALPA, Southwest or UPS, for example, or American, obviously. Uh, mm -hmm. APA. 
So we get to talk to, you know, their negotiating committee members and really get the details of how their CBA works from, you know, their subject matter experts. So that, that gives us the ability to cut through some of the rumors, if you will, about what a contract provides, what benefits or entitlements a, a contract provides at another property. We build a relationship with these people. Yeah, and as Jeff said, you know, with the relationship building, it's a two-way street. You know, the three of us, you know, or, or you know, our legal counsel are, are continuously getting calls from from other properties asking how something works, you know, within our contract, how our pilots like it, you know, what the experience with it is. All right. For any one of the three of you, again, last question, and, and it's probably something that not a lot of us line pilots really or, or I guess, truly understand. We might read it in comms and, and see that the MEC directed, but where does the negotiating committee not take orders from? But where do the ideas to move forward in one way or another come from when it comes to the work that you guys do in, in negotiation for either an LOA, an MOU, or in this case, a CBA? This is a great question, JR. We, we, uh, we get asked this a lot. I, I feel there's a, uh, a big misunderstanding out on the line of this, but our directives and our uh, guidance come straight from the MEC. And uh, to give a little bit of background of, of uh, how they provide their guidance, we come in with uh, uh, recommendations, if you will. So, uh, you know, we uh, take this survey that's out now. What we do is we look at our kind of uh, schedule, uh, what we've been given so far from the first survey. And, and we take the sections that are coming up, the topics uh, that should be coming up, you know, in the next uh, bit here in the timeline, create a survey. We run through, uh, you know, a third party consultant, uh, run the survey through them, kind of uh, let them know what we're looking for. At that point, we, uh, you know, run it through uh, the Alpha uh, Economics and Financial Analysis Department. They actually uh, create the survey uh, in a web-based form, uh, and, and then we put it out. From there, we take all of that data, you know, run through uh, an analysis of that. On top of that, uh, you know, talking to our subject matter experts, talking to the uh, committee chairman, we sat down, we uh, interviewed all of the major committees, uh, you know, spent, uh, you know, almost a day with each committee. Uh, just uh, talking to them about have they had any issues in the first CBA? Is there anything, uh, you know, that they would like to see uh, that's in the industry right now? Just uh, does somewhat give us, uh, you know, some some guidance or direction at the next CBA. And then we take all of that, uh, all of those data points, and, and we create a recommendation for the MEC. From there, we'll, uh, you know, uh, in executive session there at the MEC meeting, we, we take it uh, to the MEC, run through our plan. Uh, you know, the MEC will take, uh, the, you know, the, the feedback they're getting from the pilot group, their, you know, feelings about the uh, goals that we've set, and, and we adjust them from there. We have a, uh, we kind of have a, our goals going into negotiations, and that's what we use as our directives. So uh, when we head into create a proposal, uh, you know, that we're passing to the company, 
all of those uh, data points that uh, that I just talked about there are, are all built into uh, proposals that we're uh, passing to the company uh, on day one. We're looking at survey data. We're looking at other CBAs. We're consulting with subject matter experts from different areas of our CBA, whether it's retirement, insurance, uh, scope, and using all of that information and data to educate our MEC so that they can look at the survey data, take input from line pilots, and provide us with the best direction uh, for our Section 6 negotiations and prioritize all of our goals. Reese, to go back to what you just said, number one, surveys, and and number two, having pilots get information back to you. Um, right now, there's a survey open at the time of this recording. Surveys will come fo- uh, in the future as well, as far as CBA negotiations and, and where we're going to go to refresh the data pool, right? Those those surveys are, I think we all know, they are important. They are very important to you guys as well because of all that information that you get out of them. Um, as far as pilots, what's the, what's the very best takeaway that a pilot would sits down, opens up the survey? What kind of state should they be in headspace-wise before they sit down? I mean, is it is it easier to say, you know, clear the emotion? Is it easier to say right with emotion? Yeah, absolutely. As pilots are taking the survey, just make sure, uh, again, as, as you take it, you're thinking about your answers and providing, uh, like you said, uh, non-emotional but uh, fact-based uh, answers as you're, as you're filling this out. And then I guess to throw on one more, Reese, uh, or anybody else, Jeff or, or Tommy, with, with filtering information back from the pilot group to you guys, is there, is there a single pathway to get that done, or is there a couple different venues that a pilot out, outside of surveys, right? Please do the surveys, fill those out, send them away. But if there's something in between survey periods or what have you, is there a way for a pilot to take information or, or, or feedback that they may have and get that filtered back to you guys? Yeah, JR, we have a uh, CBA suggestions PDR link on b6alpha.org that, um, you know, you're able to reach out to us with, with suggestions, ideas. If there's a new interpretation by the company on something possibly that, you know, you think we should be aware of. Um, I will say we do read them all, um, but but I think it says on the page, but if not, I'll highlight it, you know, don't expect the response on the PDR. You know, it's, it's kind of just a, a one-way street for us to receive information and uh, be able to categorize and file it away. I, I would imagine an elected LEC rep in your base is probably another good way to filter back information. For sure. Yeah. We, you know, as we said, we, we interact a lot with the LEC reps, you know, their fingers on the pulse and, and, you know, the better the pulse for them, the better directives they can or objectives they can help set with us uh, as we proceed through, you know, section six. And then when it comes to P2P, the information that a P2P rep might have and the information that the, the talking points that a, that the P2P committee uh, gather to distribute to the pilot group, you'll see us on the line with the you know, P2P Alpha uh, lanyard and the, the red badge backer. The information that, that we get as reps is stuff that is coming directly from you guys in the MEC, right? After negotiations every Monday, 
There is a uh, P2P call that we uh, participate in and uh, answer any questions that the uh, P2P members or, uh, or, or chairman may have. I think in addition to all of this, JR, what I would also say is the MEC hosts a number of different events here, whether it's in conjunction or independent of an LEC or MEC meeting. It's family awareness events, pub events, you know, please, please attend those. It gives you a great opportunity to interact directly with committee chairs, reps, MEC officers, um, and your negotiating committee. I'm really glad you brought that up because I, I think probably in the near term, the last couple of years, it really hasn't been something that's been around. Um, True. And now is, is everything is coming back to what could, we could appreciably call normal. The pub events are, are becoming a little bit more consistent and, and to your point, a fantastic way to get into a nice environment, a cozy environment to sit down and, and talk to you guys and, and have open and honest conversation back and forth. We're sitting down with a negotiating penny, getting to know a little bit more about them. All part of the CBA Navigator Series coming up soon is going to be a P2P. We'll talk to the committee chairs uh, as well as the SPSC committee. But for for you guys, any last-minute words as we're closing out here, Ride Report, Reese? No, I, I just want to thank you for uh, for having us on here. You know, as, as we talked about earlier, just uh, as much as we can get out there uh, and get ahead of uh, rumors and uh, spread the facts of how how the negotiating committee works, uh, how we get our directives, who makes up our team here. I think it's all great information. But thanks for having us on here. Um, you know, any other questions or anything like that that uh, that we can answer or you need answered, uh, just make sure that you reach out or reach out to uh, uh, to your local representative, and uh, they can get answers to that. I can't thank you guys enough for taking a couple moments of your day to join us here on Ride Report. Captain Reese Van, Captain Jeff Harbison, and Captain Tommy Young. Guys, thank you again so much. We look forward to having you again in a future episode of Ride Report. Thanks, JR. Thank you, JR. Thanks, JR. Ride Report, a podcast from the Master Executive Council of JetBlue Alpha for the union pilots of JetBlue.